0: Okay, this morning I'm going to read from uh, Ephesians the 6th chapter. Uh, Ephesians 6 and I'm going to start in in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles Of the devil. For our wrestling is not against blood and flesh, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this particular age, against spiritual wickedness, wicked spirits in the heavenlies. Because of that, take unto you the whole armor of God that in doing so you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, or having overcome all, is what it says in the original, having overcome all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all, most importantly, take the shield of faith, wherewith you, yourself, will be able to quench, extinguish all the fiery missiles from hell that proceed from the wicked spirits in the heavenlies, and take the helmet of salvation, this helmet of salvation that saved you once and keeps you saved and keeps you being delivered, and the sword of the Spirit, which is effectual when it's in his hands and your you and I are under him, which is... The very Word of God. Praying always, most importantly. Praying, once we have the armor on, praying always with all prayer and supplication. And this only happens when we're in the Spirit. And in doing so, we're able to watch all things with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known all the hidden truths that were unknown in every other age, but this age of the church age, but right now, that, we, that they might be made known, those things that were hidden that are ours in Christ that is the fullness of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds and chains, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And because of these things, because of this and uh, the spiritual warfare that we are in, and we've uh, been taught this so many times, we were born into this conflict and uh, and a conflict it is, and that is why and i'll just read second corinthians 10. second corinthians 10 verse 1 it says now i paul myself beseech you beg of you plead with you by the very meekness and gentleness of christ who in presence my physical presence is base among us not much but being absent and bold toward you, but I am still beseeching you, I'm pleading you with you, that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, where will they think to be bold against some? Notice that, his boldness was not that he was against them, even though they were against him. That is where all these demonic forces against us because it's the height of our position. See, every single thing about our lives, everything, every single thing about our lives has to do with our position in Christ as his church. And we either think the thoughts of God or we come under the prince and power of the air. It's what happened to Peter. Peter was an apostle who walked with the Lord for three and a half years. We started with Ephesians, the sixth chapter, the 10th verse, it says, Finally, finally, in all finality, my brethren, we're to be strong in the strength that's that's in Christ, because it's the power of his might that we need, because we don't have any. So we're to put on all the armor of God, we're to put on. Now, when it says that, you can understand Ephesians 6, verse 11, with Ephesians, the fourth chapter, Verse 20 to 24, we're to put on Christ, putting on the truths about his person and the work that he's accomplished because of the spiritual conflict, this battle that each of us individually are in. See, the battle is the mind. The battleground is to be the mind of the believer, simply because the atmosphere hates and despises Christ in each individual, that he has made his own. So we need to put on the whole armor of God, all of it. And that's why Paul said in Acts 20, 27, I have not shunned from declaring unto you all the counsel of God. That's why he said in Acts 20, 32, that I commend you to God. In this battle, we need to be commended to God and to the word of his grace that speaks of Christ in the individual and the individual in Christ. So, we're to put on the whole armor of God that we may have that supernatural ability which we need to stand against all those wiles, that methodia of the devil. For we wrestle not, our wrestling is not against blood and flesh, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this particular age that we're in, against spiritual wickedness, again, against uh, wicked spirits, that are in the heavenlies, because our position is located there, positionally. So he's going to come against us here with those lies and with all of that, that he comes against us with an invisible army that can't be numbered. So because of that, we need to take unto us the whole armor of God. We need to have all that precise teaching and preaching and to constantly submit our wills to it. But having having all that on, most importantly, is to pray, is constant prayer, constant dependence. Because even with the armor on, and this is what it's talking about, take unto you all the armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, to withstand the onslaught of the projections and imaginations of the thinking of the enemy that come against us as individuals. And it's not going to stop. He never rests. He never stops. That's why we need to keep it up. And it's one thing to put the armor on. It's another thing to continually pray and depend upon him. Against that evil day and having done all or having overcome all. And what is it? It's the power, it's the power of thinking. Having overcome all to stand stand. And when it says stand here, this is what we, what the enemy comes against. So notice that word, having done all to stand. And you will see that in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, as we read that. This is what the enemy constantly comes against us with. And I'll read this. And this is Romans, the fifth chapter. This is Romans... Chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by absolute dependence upon God, we have peace. Do you see that? That's what the enemy comes against. You're your sin. You're your sin. God has this against you. Others that are in his service have this against you, and you are guilty. Because justification has to do with the removal of all guilt and condemnation in Romans 8, verse 1. So therefore, being, that's our very being, our heavenly position in Christ is we're guilt-free. Proof of it is Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father as a man, with all of us in him positionally. Justified by absolute dependence, we have peace. We do have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Some would say, and give very bad interpretations of this, some that even would say that they are Greek scholars and say, let us have peace. The original makes it very clear, we have peace because it's based upon Ephesians 2 verse 14. He is our peace, we have it because we're in him and he in us. So this is what it says, We have that peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we need to have our own individual feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's not what we're preaching in Ephesians 6 verse 15. It's what I have in a proper relationship with a mind and a will that's submitted to him so that I have the peace that he is in my experience. That's where where we continue to go forward because we don't when we don't have peace. We don't go forward. We stay, and is there any neutrality? No, we can only go back when we don't trust him. What do we trust? We trust what what the enemy in his deceit and lying to us is that it's our own thoughts when it's not, when it isn't. You know when Adam fell, he fell under all the thinking of the enemy, ruling and reigning his flesh. Same with us. Now, we're in the flesh as many times. We have the flesh in us, but we're not of it in Romans 8 verse 9 because we have the Spirit of God. That's why we need to submit in Ephesians 6 verse 17 and have that sword of the Spirit. That's what we each have, each of us. No one can do that but the individual. So, By whom, in in Romans 5 verse 2, by whom also we have access to what? Every single thing that's ours in Christ, we need to have that access by what? What does it say? By faith. By what? Dependence. That's what prayer is teaching us. We are in a spiritual conflict and it has never raged more violently than it is at this particular period where we are right now. In the, in the plan of God, there's no question about it. Yes, we're victorious, yes we are, but to take these things lightly when there's still this spiritual battle raging, boy, we would be so easily overcome experientially. Can't be in our position, but honestly, it can happen in our experience. But by whom, in Romans 5 verse 2, we have access constantly to what we need, but it's by faith, it's dependence. Are we depending on him in prayer for everything? Is he my expectation in Psalm 62, verse 5? Am I waiting with him while I wait for him to lead me and to guide me? Am I? And of course, that's our proper place. But we have that access. We have access to God by faith. That means we're in Christ. We have it when we submit. Uh, into what? This grace. What do we need to stand? Wherein we what? Stand. We need grace constantly. We need wisdom, the wisdom of grace. In James 1.5, if any lack wisdom, let him ask. this prayer again, let him ask. But nothing doubting and nothing wavering either. Not doubting or wavering and going back and in, in satanic thinking Let's just call it what it is. The flesh, that's satanic thinking. We're either It's either satanic thinking or thinking with the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16. And that's why it's to let, let this mind be in you in Philippians 2, 5. Why? To have the mind of Christ, are we to esteem others more importantly than ourselves in Philippians 2, 3? Or do we so occupied with ourselves? Because that's what it says in Philippians 2, verse 3, in this spiritual warfare. Esteem others better than yourselves. Look not on your own things, this is Philippians 2, 4, but on the things of others. And let that mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. See, and that's especially about the church, the household of God. That's where it all starts. First and foremost, we have that that grace, and do we make any adjustments? Do, can we make any adjustments in this life? Do we live, live any differently, even than the unsaved, if we don't have grace? We don't. We cannot make an, a single adjustment outside of grace, but who does he give grace to? He gives it to those that are what? In the midst of the spiritual warfare, to, to, to do what? It, those that he's humbled. How does he do that? We can't meet our needs. We need to depend upon him. How often do we? Constant dependence. That's what the conflict is teaching us. That's what he's revealing to us. That's what he's revealing in 1 Peter 1.12 to the angels. He's revealing the truth about he is all. He is all. And so, wherein we stand, we continue to stand in that grace, and then we rejoice in the hope of the glory of god see everything about this battle has to do with the glory of god by the way everything about it and when he's glorified in you and i in the midst of this spiritual battle guess what we're blessed instantly we're blessed instantly we change our mind instantly metanoia Right to instantly change our mind to about instead of satanic thinking, we think with Him, and it can happen in an instant when we submit ourselves. Because in James four six, God resists who? He resists the proud. He resists the proud, but He gives greater grace to those that He's humbled. Therefore, because of that, and only be by that, submit yourself to God. That's grace. He gives us grace if we receive it, to submit ourselves to God so that we don't get in the battle and make the battle ours and make the battle believers or make the battle even the unsaved or make the battle the circumstance and situations because don't they in all reality have to do with what the enemy wants to make it to be about people? Does, he does it's all to the glory of God. Verse 3 of Romans 5, and not only so, but we glory where? In tribulations. Sure we do without grace, don't we? Do we? Never. Never. See, because glorying in tribulations with the will submitted makes the battle his, he's glorified and we're blessed. But it's only through submission. And that's what prayer is constantly teaching us. Constantly, constantly, constantly teaching us. Again, that's why it says this again in 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. In 2 Corinthians 10, again, and I'll read it again. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 says, For though we walk in these bodies, though everything... Ab- Everything that we seem to do has to do with these bodies that need to constantly be submitted, by the way. We do not war after these bodies. Our warfare is not people. For the weapons of our warfare are what? They are not blood and flesh. Remember Ephesians 6.12. But mighty what? Mighty what? Through... God mighty mighty to God to the pulling down of what stronghold is that some kind of thought force that's lodged in our mind can that be that we may think that the circumstance or the situation is against us God is against us Christians are against us could that be a stronghold that we and and we function from but what should, what can we do? We can cast down the imagination because what is a stronghold? Is it an imagination? Is it something that's not true? Is it based upon a lie? Is that how the enemy operates in Ephesians six eleven. He most certainly does. That's where we get our, his wiles there is the Greek word methodea and it's where we get, that's how he operates. The reason why is in Hebrews chapter two and verses 14 and 15, he's been destroyed. His power has been dealt with by Christ on the cross. So how does he operate? By lies. That's it. Lies. The mind coming after the mind. Getting the believer to think that the thoughts that, they think, that they're thinking are theirs. But we have to remember, when we function as Christians in the flesh, we're under this Satan. And all the thinking and all the thought processes come from him. That's why we need to constantly submit ourselves. Galatians 5 verse 16, walk in the spirit through submission, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I can't get victory over this. That's right, because you haven't submitted. It's so simple. Come on. I can't do it, yes, no, you don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, okay, I'm believing a lie, the enemy's convinced me that I need this particular thing, I know it's disobedience, but he's convinced me, somehow, against the obedience of the word that I need this particular thing. Well... It's interesting in Philippians 4 and verse 19. My God will supply all my need. My singular need is Jesus Christ. Because if he's not, something else will take his place. And if it does, I've given place in Ephesians four twenty seven. Give no place to the devil. That's another thing. Be angry and sin not. Be angry. At what? Sin. Where should that start? <laughs> in the individual. That's right. Because the battle's not someone else. You don't make even what they do to you to be your battle. Even if they come against you. You may have to deal with things in the Word that aren't so convenient. But that's where admonishing comes in. and That's what we want to focus on. I want to focus on that this morning. And then we'll we'll wrap that up. And this is why we, because we are in a spiritual warfare, folks, and he wants, the enemy wants to make us so passive and so sleepy and so dull about this spiritual warfare that we're in that things, the word doesn't even matter hardly anymore. It just doesn't. There's no need to get in the word every single day. There's no need at first thing in the morning to get before God, to pray, even before our big toe hits the floor off the bed. To pray and to seek God's counsel? Because we do we know that the enemy is just waiting for the tiny little place to come in? And you know what a little leaven does in Ephesians 4, verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Is there sin involved in the anger? Then it's the flesh and it's the enemy. It's an imagination. It's a stronghold. But all you that love God, in Psalm 97, verse 10, hate evil. Where should that begin? In the individual. You make that your business. You don't make someone else's business. Unless you are in a place of leadership where you preach and teach the word of God under the influence of of the Holy Spirit as he takes the things of Christ through a broken vessel and through a gift that's submitted to Christ the head, so that the life can flow out and give those that hear the ability and the grace itself to submit and be an overcomer again. To make an about face, change the mind, make an about face, headed this way with thinking, now stop it immediately and go this way instantly. It's called instant grace rebound in 1 John 1, 9. But we see these scriptures here and I'll, I'll read them and this is the reason for these scriptures and I'll just read a couple of them just because of the time that we have this morning. Thank God that we do have it too by the way and I'm very thankful with you that we do. So here we have uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5 and verse 11. Wherefore, comfort, comfort yourselves, what? Together. That's what God has us doing right now, comfort. Comfort, the word comfort in the Greek is where we get our English word exhort. Exhort one another. Exhort. We need to be exhorted. Either either for areas of wrong thinking or the God knowing what the enemy has even before we do is to prepare us for that. And this is what it says. Wherefore, exhort one another together and edify one another, even as also you do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And the admonishing or the admonition is to happen under the Lord under the Lord, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. And we exhort, there it is again, we exhort, we beseech and exhort you, we admonish you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. (laughs) Warn them that are not functioning under the rule and headship of Christ. Warn them. And then comfort the feeble-minded, those that are weak, that don't know specific truths about the person and the work of of Christ that has been accomplished for that particular individual. Feeble-minded, support the weak. Be patient toward all and see that none render evil for evil. <laughs> you know, and A believer coming under the evil influence of the imagination of thoughts, thinking they're theirs, and then using those to come against someone else to cause them to function in the flesh and make it a battle. It has nothing to do with blood and flesh at all. doesn't have a single thing to do with it. No, instead of this, but ever follow that which is good. Both among yourselves and doing it yourselves as a proper witness, you do it unto all. And you do that. And then we have in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 5 says, Let the elders that rule well, and part of the ruling, and rule there as guide. Please understand that. <laughs> okay, Christ is our authority, there's no question about it. But God has given uh, certain individuals the authoritative action of the rule of his word to preach and so that others can function in the headship of christ having his full mind to protect themselves that's the helmet of salvation and so this is what it says let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor especially they who labor in the word and doctrine and part of that the ruling is the guide guide so that's what it says that's what it's teaching how does god teach us i'll tell you how he teaches me i'll tell you the literally every pastor that god has used very effectively in my life are all in heaven they're all in heaven every single one of them i actually i have relationships with others with other men of god and and other men in my life that, that have the gift of, pass, of pass a teacher. But who are they? This is, this is Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember them that have, that have exercised guidance over you. That's rule, but it's not a good translation in certain translations like I'm reading from in the King James. Remember them that what? That, that are the guides. That's literally what it says. That are the guides, what? Over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith, their absolute dependence, follow as they followed Christ completely, considering the end of their lifestyle. Because after all, Jesus Christ, he's the same. Look, listen, in every age, this is why we say it, in every age. And this is why our words and our conversation should have to do with this book. That's proper language. That's right, because is not the word who Jesus Christ is? And so proper language, would that have to do with him? It does. That's what it even says in, in Hebrews thirteen eight. Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday, years past, today and forever. We're to speak the same language and not allow the enemy to take, make words to seem like they don't have their proper meaning anymore. They just don't. And it's to be about the word. Honestly, it is. That's our proper language. That's why it says in Ephesians 4, verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Should we ever do that? Is that ever okay? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Because if it is, isn't it a thought from the enemy? And if it's the enemy in some form, is there going to be a struggle or a battle? Oh, there most certainly is. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, Good, there speaks of Christ the word who is proper language. That it may minister grace unto the what? Hearers. And in doing so, you won't grieve the Holy Spirit in yourself by the very words that we choose and the very language we use, the very way that we communicate with each other. Is that to be different? Any different than way back till now? Is it to be any different? The Bible says absolutely no. No, it doesn't. So all the ones, the pastors that I still have and dig and study from, count so many of them, And the ones that God has given me in my life, and I remember when all hell was breaking loose, it seemed, about where I was located for a number of years. And even though heaven studied for so long, I still desired to have a pastor. And I cried out to God, where are they? Where are the pastors then? And that's when God started to lead me to, to certain men and to go after sources that were out of print and to hunt them down. And uh, there was a cost involved. There was, but it was so worth it because the men that he gave me, that he he said, I want you, I'm gonna bring remembrance into your life what I gave these men. And those men that he gave those truths to, unlike so many others that I was under, and God was still faithful in measure with them. But I have to tell you, that you could not, and they would not receive an ounce of credit for anything that God gave them, ever. Ever. And boy, I hunted them down. God did. And I hunted those sources down out of print things, uh, and a lot of them from England and Ireland and, and, and those particular places. But Hebrews 13, verse 7, so it says, Remember them, and seven, that, are, that have gone home to be with the Lord, and then here, in 1317, obey them that have that are the guides over you. Obey them. These are the living ones now. And how many do we actually have? Well, uh, I mean, I have it in a sense with, with, with older men. I can say, you know, in my case, with the fellowship that God has done in my life w- with Mike and I, he's, he's given me that. In, in terms of a fellowship. And we can have that. But those that are living, obey them, obey them that are guides over you and submit yourselves. Notice this. Why? For they watch. This goes into intense prayer in the night seasons. The intensity of the enemy comes in full force in the night seasons. You can, I can just tell you that. Full force. He doesn't want the day, the morning to dawn with the Word. So he comes against it all through the night seasons. All through the night seasons he comes against. Because he's against Christ in the individual, and then he's against Christ and the individual from using the individual to reveal himself to other individuals. There's no question about it. And uh, because he hates Christ in each of us individually. So how do we overcome? Obey them that are guides over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. That's what's going on in the night seasons. In the nights when they're sleepless. They enter into prayer. They watch for your souls because they know they have to give that account to Christ at the Bema Seat. This is what it says, that they, that they must give an account. They have to. I have to give an account. Did I watch? Did I not just preach and teach, but did I watch? That they may do it with joy and not with grief because that would have been unprofitable for you if they didn't do those things and they would have to answer for it. And answering for it in the presence of Christ alone at the bema seat, they wouldn't have joy expressed. It would, be, it would be grief that they didn't do it because it was unprofitable for believers. And that's why it's so very necessary, so very necessary, we get back to that word admonish. And we're going to wrap that up with this. This is the word admonish or admonition. It's new thetio, And I'll spell it. It's N-O-U-T-H-E-T-E-O. And this is what it's saying. To put... In mind to put in the mind of individuals the mind of Christ so that they're equipped in the spiritual warfare that comes against them individually. And that's why those that are over them watch in the night seasons when the attacks are full force so that the word is not given in the morning and then hopefully to keep those from coming. And God know in our schedule, please understand, I don't know God does. I just know that He's commanded me and, and pastors and teachers to preach the word. It's a charge. It's present imperative. Preach the word. 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Preach the word in season, out of season. Rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering. Keep teaching, keep doing it. And to keep doing it. So it's to keep to keep putting sense into the minds of those that are Christ. And by implication, it always speaks of caution. There's caution to reprove. Gently, hopefully. That's the way I only want to do it. But to admonish, that word is four times in the the Greek New Testament. Four times, it literally means to warn. That's what Paul was doing in Acts 20, Starting in Acts 20, look at what it says here in Acts 20. These are the ones, by the grace of Almighty God, nothing they do themselves, okay? Those that are used by God are those that have their will submitted submitted like slaves to him. <laughs> Literally, their will is swallowed up by his will. Those are the ones that he uses. And so in Acts the 20th chapter, In verse 24, that's why Paul said, but none of these things move me. The enemy comes against. Fierce battles, behind the scenes. Fierceness in the night seasons. Hated. Come against you in every way imaginable. But none of these things move me. Only by his grace, by the way. None of those things, Paul said, move me. You know why? Because I don't count my life dear unto myself. And you know, that's one of the things the enemy wants to do is make you live for yourself. Christians live for yourselves. Don't live for him and don't live for others. Everything is about you. That's why we read Philippians chapter two, verses three through five. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life. So be dear and precious unto myself, why? This is for each of us, by the way. This is what it's saying. This is leaders here, but it speaks to each and every single one of us because some thought force is going to lead us into a improper or a proper function. Many voices in 1 Corinthians 14, 6 through 11, and none of them are without signification. None of them are without significance. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course going in the midst of the spiritual warfare with joy. Notice that, with joy, that's what the pastor, he needs to watch and, and constantly preach in Hebrews 13, 17. So when he meets Christ at the beam of seat, he, he knows his course is finished and it's with joy because he was faithful and it wasn't unprofitable for those that God had put under him as a under-shepherd with the authority being Christ himself. As much as in that individual. And the ministry. The ministry has to do with ministering with the word. You don't leave a ministry, you have one. You never leave a ministry, you have one. Someone or something is ministering something to you. It's either a lie or it's the truth. One is a false image, the other is the true image about who we are in Christ in 1 John 5.20 and all other things are just idols. In 5.21 of 1 John, and those are the imaginations we need to cast down in 2 Corinthians uh, 10, verse five. So he said, which I have received of the Lord. Now if he received this ministry and this gift to preach the word, wasn't it pure grace? Did it have everything to do with Christ? Oh, everything, every single thing uh, that I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify, to be a proper witness of the gospel of the glory of the grace of Jesus Christ, who is God. That's how that should be read, by the way. And now, behold, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom, the rulership of Jesus Christ now, will see my face no more. Some of us are older than others. (laughs) Some of us are winding it down. Some of us are, and preparing us for a face-to-face meeting in 1 Corinthians 13, verse verse 12, with Christ. And that's not a boo-hoo, that's a yay. (laughs) Wherefore, I take unto you, I say unto you, record this day, that I am pure, from the blood of all. I'm pure. I'm pure in in terms of not fulfilling the ministry that I have with Christ by being submitted to him. Where wherefore he said for I in verse 27 I have not kept back to declare unto you all the counsel of God as much as the enemy comes in, as much as he comes against in the warfare in the night seasons and all through the day and that's why we all need to keep that shield up constantly in Ephesians 6.16, and that's why we need to come and hear the word and do it first thing in the morning. We need to, it's to prepare us even for the night seasons, so that when we do, then we have those lines in Psalm 16, verse six, they fall out unto us in a pleasant place, they're guides how to think and not leave this area of proper thinking, so that when I fall asleep and the unconscious mind comes into the subconscious and begins to play back everything I've received, and then I have sweet sleep in Psalm one hundred and seven, at twenty-seven, in verses two and three. Even then, during the night seasons, well, if I've not shunned, kept back from declaring unto you all the counsel of God, and and you need that counsel to take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, and to all the flock. If you're a leader or a pastor, teacher over the flock, or if that flock's your family, over the flock. Over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers; those that watch, continually watching, and being available for the Holy Spirit to take the Word of Christ to show you in individuals' lives where they need the Word of God, they need the counsel of God to feed the Church of God. The greatest demonstration of love that a pastor teacher can manifest to those that are that are put in the care, put in their care. Under Christ is to feed them the word of God. It's the greatest demonstration of love that there is, which he's purchased with his own blood. For I know that this, that after my departing, after even the preaching of the word, will grievous wolves enter in among you to not spare the flock, that's what he's talking about. That's why we even need to put all our cares in his hands in 1 Peter 5, 7. Because if not, then we function in the lives of these thoughts that God doesn't care that we need to do something. And where do these thoughts come from? The one in 1 Peter 5, 8 who wants to slaughter us. To slaughter us. And so, also of your own selves. Also, Unfortunately. Of your own selves will men, individuals, arise speaking perverse things, saying things that aren't true. Why? To draw away those and to make them that they can express what they think teaching is to. To draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone, night and day. And now, brethren, I commend you to who? Through the preaching of the word, I'm commending you to God. That's what Paul says. And to the word of his grace. Who is the word of his grace? It's Christ in John one. It's he who was filled up with all that grace and truth is in 114, which has that uh, supernatural ability to keep you edified and built up and to give you constantly the reality of the inheritance that is truly yours as you're sanctified, your will given over, so you function properly in your experience to the equal of your position. So as we wrap this up this morning, This is what Nutheto, Nuthetio is saying. He's putting sense. He's putting truth into our minds to caution, to reprove, to admonish, to warn, to constantly warn us. You will see this. We read it in Acts 20, verse 31. We see it again in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 14. We see it again in Colossians 1, verse 28. Colossians 1 verse 28, I'll just read that one quickly and then we're we'll finish this up this morning. but in Colossians chapter 1 and this is what Paul was saying and this is this is the reality of him and this is the reality of a man functioning under Christ and in, in his gift submitted to Christ. And in Colossians 1 verse 23 it says, If you continue in the faith, if you continue in absolute dependence, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the reality, the eternal reality and substance of the gospel, which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. I am made a minister who now rejoice in my sufferings because they're for you they for you. And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my body, for his body's sake. Did you know that? That's why we don't live just for ourselves. We live for each other. Which is the church. Notice that? For his body's sake. So the word body is the word that's synonymous with church, and church is local assembly. It's ecclesia, it's never a building. Whereof, Whereof I am made, notice that no man ever made himself to be a minister. I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you, to fully preach, and that's what it says in the original. King James says to fulfill the word of God. It means to fully preach. That's what Paul was saying in Acts twenty twenty seven. the whole counsel of God and 2027, which was the word of grace in 2032 of Acts. Even this mystery, things that aren't known to individuals, but need to be made known when we have a proper place of submission and come ready to hear uh, the word of God, which all of us need to do, which has been hid from all these other ages in the past, from generations of people, but now is made manifest to those that are his, saints, sanctified. Listen, set apart for sacred use. God needs our minds to be set apart for his sacred use because if not, it's going to be used by the enemy. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery, this unknown thing among even the Gentiles, all peoples, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach Warning, admonishing, admonishing every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ Jesus. And this is why I also labor, striving according, though, to his working. And that striving involves this intense battle, which works in me mightily, mightily. And we're to admonish. And it has in view proper discernment, proper discernment to admonish and has in view the things that are wrong. There's thinking when we come, there's wrong thinking that's got a place in us. And we need to come and be warned and admonish things that are wrong and and they call for warning. It's not that it's against us. It's not. And sometimes it's a strong warning. I think we felt that the other day. Teaching has to do with most importantly the impartation of of what? Positive truth. But there has to be a warning, an admonition, uh, and a getting out bad thinking so that proper teaching can find its proper place in the individual. And this is so key. So, that positive truth will take the place of the negative interruption, the negative distraction. And uh, what? They were to let, they were to let God's will, which is the word of Christ, to be at home in them and experience all of his riches. But we have to be admonished. He has to get bad thinking out constantly and constantly reinforce the truth. And this is what that word admonish literally is going into, warning. And so that the word can be, so Christ can be at home in you, and you can be at home and rest in him. Huh? Why? Why is this so important? Because the scriptures bring it out to us, clearly this, honestly. You know, in Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is what? Stayed upon him through the word, through submission, through being admonished right? Isaiah 26, 3, you'll keep him in complete peace with mind a state upon him, because what? He trusts in him, proper thinking. If I don't have proper thinking and understand properly because I haven't been warned or haven't been taught, can I trust him? No, I'll trust something else, and it's a lie and not the truth. So in Isaiah 57, Verse 19, it says, this is God, I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is afar off and to him that is near, says the Lord, and I'll heal him. But the wicked, the wicked here is the unbelievers. The wicked are like the troubled sea, which it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. This is the enemy. There is no peace, says my God to the wicked, to those that don't believe. Are we in Christ? Yes. Can we act like unbelievers in the flesh? Absolutely, and we need to be admonished. He's loving us by doing so. It's tremendous love to do it. Even when when there's some blowback. Oh Lord. So that they will in turn have the supernatural ability to teach and admonish one another. And that's called fellowship. When should we not have fellowship? When are we not the people of God? When is Christ not my life? In Colossians 3, 4. It, does the job make me different? Do people who I associate with make me different than who I am in Christ? Do I need to be warned again and come back to a, a proper reality? There's no question about it. What? To admonish one another and to, so that it overflows Together as one we enter into worship and praise with him. When should that be? When are we not his? Well, when we think we're our own and we think we have rights. Admonish, warning, based, it's based upon instructions. Pastors and teachers in true local assemblies, and it needs to be a true local assembly to have true teaching, by the way, because there's a lot and, and we know that. And you've you read it in Acts 20, 24 right up to 29, are themselves, pastors and teachers, are themselves admonished. I am admonished every single morning. Admonished. Absolutely. I'm admonished. And instructed and warned by the Scriptures so that I can properly minister the Word to Christ's set-apart ones. You know, long ago, you know, they referred to each other as saints. You know? you know what that word says? The haggio haggios, those set apart to him in Christ for sacred use. You're a saint. It's Not such a popular word today. Yeah. It became something else, language. The enemy using language and they became special people as opposed to all others. Language is very important. Men, language is extremely important and we need to speak properly but it's based upon having proper thinking. Well, we're gonna close. The scriptures, we're to minister to Christ's set-apart ones. We take it in and then we have it to minister to each other. Naming, so that what? That naming the name of the Lord, we are to depart from all unrighteousness, all iniquity. The Lord knows them in 2 Timothy 2.19. Listen, the Lord knows those that are his. Do we know we're his? We know it. And let everyone that names the name of Christ, his nature, his character, the accomplishment of his work in the individual, depart from iniquity. It says depart from unrighteousness. That's what it says. And that's what we're to do. Departing from that, the Lord Jesus Christ knows who are his. Do we? Do we constantly know that? We'll know it through being constantly dependent, and constantly having his mind to be our guide to the power of the Holy Spirit, who takes the things of Christ in John 16, 13, and 14, shows them unto us in this particular dispensation of grace in this church age that we're in. He does it through men in Ephesians 4, 8, that are submitted to him as their head, and they become evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the edifying of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Notice that? We all have a part to play, and no one else can replace us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, thank you in Jesus' name so much for the riches of your word. Thank you. Amen.